I want to thank my brother Stephen Shortridge today. He is a, a precious friend of ours, and I asked him if he would want to do what he does in his worship to God, and, and it's all around homecoming. And uh, I was looking at that during worship going, oh my goodness, how beautiful is that? And so thank you, Stephen. He's just going to continue to worship God with drawing and art throughout this time. How do you know that God is the creator? And he shares some of his creative abilities with some of us, and Stephen is one of them. Today, we absolutely welcome the guest of honor. His name is Jesus. He, he is risen. He is risen indeed. I want to talk to you about homecomings today. And there's all kinds of different types of homecomings. One of the homecomings that I just got to experience just a few days ago, I, uh, not too long ago, I got a call saying that my uncle had passed away. And man, I tell you what, that changed my life real fast. I flew into South Carolina. By the way, hi, everybody from South Carolina. There's people in South Carolina that this is their church, man. And it's just absolutely phenomenal. And I just want to welcome all my sand lappers there in South Carolina, Red Hill, Bishopville, Sumter, Camden, the whole area. And so I flew back there on Wednesday. And uh, it was, a, it was a, a different, beautiful homecoming. Uh, I have like a second family there. The reason why my roots go back to South Carolina is when my parents passed away, I moved in with my grandparents, and then their youngest sibling still lived there. His name is Harry, and he was my Uncle Harry, and we, we became like uncle brother because he was 17, I was eight, he drove my school bus. I was the first one on and the first one off. Are you feeling me? Long school bus route. It became like my brother, and just a few not too long ago, I heard that uh, he told me that he was going to have open heart surgery. And, and anyway, throughout that time, the night before he was having open heart surgery, he passed away. It was a heartbreaker. So I fly back to South Carolina. I have a second family there, kind of like two, the Logans and the Tunings. And Miss Logan is like my second mom. And, and she made this big homecoming meal for me, man. I love, how many like homecomings? <laughs> I tell you what, it was for a, a tough situation, but all my friends were there, and, and it was just off the hook. She makes the best fried chicken in the world, <laughs> just in the world, barbecue, South Carolina barbecue and hash and filled peas and cream corn and rice and chicken casserole, man. I was just like, wow, it was off the chart, yo. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful homecoming. That's, that's one type of homecoming right there. The other type of homecoming is that I actually preached my uncle's uh, uh, funeral, and uh, he passed away, and I thank God that he knew Jesus. And the Bible says to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord, and, and uh, I knew where Uncle Harry was. He was in the presence of God, and, and that's a whole different type of homecoming when you are absent in this body and presence with God, and you're going to be in the presence of God for eternity. See, eternity is perpetual, never stops. It doesn't have a beginning, and it doesn't have an end. You want to make sure you know where you're going for eternity. This is the shortest life you will ever live. So, so what? You live 119 years. That's a drop in the bucket to where you're going to go for eternity. So what the decision we make today determines where we spend eternity. 
And so we had a wonderful homecoming time for my uncle. But there's another type of homecoming that's even more special. I think the greatest homecoming, the great, the most special homecoming is when one comes to know Jesus Christ. When, listen, listen, when somebody comes and falls into the Father's hand, when you come into the family of God, that is a homecoming that will change your life forever, eternity, forever lasting. Genesis 3.9 says this. It's a question I'm asking every one of you today. It began with Adam, but it goes on to you today. Genesis 3.9, in the garden, after Adam and Eve had sinned and fallen and eaten from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God says, it says this in 3.9, then the Lord called to Abram, I'm sorry, to Adam and said to him, listen to this real good, where are you? Where are you? And that's a question I'm asking you today. April, I think it's the 17th, 2022, around 10 a.m., this very moment when it comes to your relationship with the God of the universe. The only person that can answer the question I'm going to ask you right now is not your mama, not your aunt. Not your uncle that knew Jesus a hundred years ago. The only person that can answer the question, where are you, is not your wife next to you, but is you. Where are you today in a relationship with the God of the universe? You see, Easter, Resurrection Sunday, is all about God solving a universal problem. There is a universal problem that everyone in this, 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 this room and every person born uh, is faced with, and it's called sin. We're born into sin, and then we choose to sin, and then this sin separates us from the God of the universe. But God did only what God could do. God stepped out of heaven, became a man. His name is Jesus. And he walked on this earth. And he never sinned. He was 100% God, 100% man, yet he qualified himself to be the ultimate sacrifice. To that point, there was lambs and oxen and dove and pigeons and all the blood that was shed in order to get our sin covered. But no longer would it be an animal. It would be the God of the universe who would die for you and I so that we could have eternal life, the Lamb of God. There's a movie back in the day, I don't think I ever even saw it, but I, I like the name of it, called The Comeback Kid. Because of Jesus today, you can be the comeback kid. And some of you in this room right here know what I'm talking about. There's people in this room right now that you are a comeback kid. Can I hear it from the comeback kids this morning? Come on, somebody. You're a comeback kid. Can I hear it from the lost and found section this morning? Come on. You've been lost. You were found. The lost is, come on, somebody. You can be the lost and found. You can be found in that section, and you can be a comeback kid. Whatever you're faced with today, I want to let you know that God knows exactly what you feel, what you're going through, and he can, and he does, and he will make a way for you no matter with what you're faced with. You see, when I was lost, jacked up, an enemy of God, 
December the 7th, 1986, he came and found me depressed, addicted, fearful, but he made a way for me. And I'm going to let you know right now, he'll make a way for me and he'll make a way for you. The Bible is full of comeback kids, full of comeback kids. Moses, Moses, man, wow. And we're going to get to that comeback kid. This is the ultimate comeback. One of the ultimate comeback kids. We're going to get to him in just a few minutes. But Moses, I mean, he literally is the first original basket case. The guy's in the water in a basket. And later in life, he becomes a fugitive and a vagabond and, and a murderer. This is Moses, Ten Commandment Moses. God says, I'm, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses is like, who, who, who am I? Doesn't even know who he is. But he's an amazing comeback kid. After 40 years, he's like, he's like, there was a song that used to go, band on the run. He wasn't the band on the run. He was the man on the run. Man on the run. Ran for God. Backside of a desert for years and years and years, and God calls him out, and he became one of the greatest comeback kids in history, the greatest deliverer. You got Sarah for 90 years, couldn't have a baby, and all of a sudden, God visits her. Angels visit her. at not, 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 Come on, ladies. At 90 years, 90 She's laughing. Abraham's laughing. You got to be kidding. She's pregnant. Bam. Has her first baby. That's a comeback kid right there now. Right there, right there. David, anointed king. After he's anointed king as a young man, he has to run for his life from the king of that time, his name is Saul, and, 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 and David, he fights the Goliath when no one else would, and, and, his, and, his, and his brothers against him, Eliab, and, and the king doesn't believe in him, but he, he takes Goliath out because he's a giant slayer. Come on, somebody. Then later on in life, he really jacks up his own life commits adultery and murder, and he loses his first child, and, and yet he becomes, when it comes to the king, he is the goat. The greatest of all time king of the universe, King David, a man after God's own heart. Come on, somebody say, come back, kid. You got Joseph. Woo, Joseph the dreamer. He gets a dream that his dad, mom, and his brothers are all bowing down. How many of you know the, the brothers wasn't down with that? Before you know it, they, they put him in a pit. And then they feel guilty about one of them, yanks him out of the pit, sells him into slavery. And, and now he's in, 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 in the, the home of his boss and his boss's wife false accusations and he gets thrown this is fast forward you should read it he gets thrown in jail and and he's still a gifted man everywhere david goes he rises to the surface the favor of god is upon his life no matter what he does and then he interprets a dream and in prison and and man it was comes to pass and they forget about him in prison Finally, the king has some scary dreams, and they remembered him. Finally, he comes out of prison, interprets the dreams. Wow. 
saves a nation. The king sets him in as governor, right-hand man, saves food for seven years, gives out food. Come on, somebody say insurance salesman. He's an insurance man. He's the first insurance man. Come on, Don, of the Bible right there. Seventeen years. Seventeen years from the time that he gets the word from God till he's actually walking in what God called him to do. Seventeen years he walked through darkness and he walked through bondages. He walked through prison. He walked through pits. He walked through slavery. Seventeen years and he becomes the comeback kid. <laughs> God's calling you today if you're not in relationship with him. You're a comeback kid. Lazarus. For a different situation, Lazarus is dead. Different type of comeback kid. Dead four days. Jesus lets him die because God's going to be glorified. And Jesus is on his way back to Bethany, and, and all of a sudden he runs into Martha, and he has this conversation with Martha, and then, and then Mary, and, and the Bible says in John eleven twenty five 25 through 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Woo. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Come on, somebody, you got to shout at that. There's got to be some shout up in this place. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he says this, do you believe this? Another question to you today. Do you believe this? Four days, he's there, move the stone. Martha's like, man, there's going to be stench. Four days. This is, my, this is my translation. Martha, chill. <laughs> chill. And the Bible says in John eleven forty three. 43, now when he had said this, these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, after four days, come out of the grave. Still had grave clothes on him. Set him free. And praise God, he said, Lazarus. If he wouldn't have said Lazarus, every grave in the world would have. Man, there would have been like Michael Jackson thriller. People walking around everywhere dead, now alive. One of my favorite comeback kids, Peter. I love Peter. His mouth was shaped just like his foot. <laughs> he was all in, man. Jesus told him one day, get behind me, Satan. How would you like to have Jesus tell you, get behind me, Satan? And Jesus had a great relationship with Peter. He was the number one disciple. But sometimes his mouth and his heart was bigger than really where it was going to take him. And, and Jesus told him that he was going to deny him. And Peter says, no way, no, it's not going to happen. But it took place. And he runs out, cries, 
bitterly guilty, full of shame. But Jesus, later on, on a beach, has an encounter with him. Peter, do you love me? <laughs> you know, I, do you love me, Peter? <laughs> do you love me? And his life was changed. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit and became one of the, the most profound preachers, leaders of the disciples in the New Testament. The comeback kid. I want you to look at this painting right here because it's what this day is all about when it comes to the comeback kid. I'm going to read a little bit of the story because it's one of my favorite stories of all time in the Bible. Because honestly, December the 7th, 1986, I was one of those comeback kids by the grace of God and his grace only. The Bible says in Luke 15, 11 through 13. I'm going to read some scripture to you right now. Go with me. This is about the prodigal son, the original comeback kid. And the Bible says, then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to the father, Father, forgive me. Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And so he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possession on prodigal living. He was a wild child. He's out partying, prodigal living, spending his inheritance Later on, how many of you know when you got the goods, when you got the, when you got the drugs, when you got the money, you got the girls, how many of you know you got the friends? Oh, come on, don't be looking all religious at me right now, now, come on now. He's loaded, man. And then a severe famine hits, the Bible says. He's broke, his wallet's broke, his heart is broke. And the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 20, the poor man is hated even by his own neighbors, but the rich has many friends. Guess what? He's not rich any longer. He has no friends. And this poor Jewish kid is now working on a pig farm. I don't know if you know the Jewish culture, but that's not kosher. <laughs> Pun intended. And he's feeding the pigs, and he's miserable. He has nothing. He's lost it all. Let me read in verse 17, because I think this has happened to some of you today. The Bible says, but when he came to himself, when he came to himself, when he came to himself, some of you right now this morning, I believe we've prayed for you. We fasted for you. We've prayed that you come to yourself. We pray that the devil would take the, the blinder off of your eyes and your heart and your ears. You're going to be able to hear, receive, and you're going to be changed today. You're going to, we're going to have a homecoming. I, I believe that not one person in this place that's not known Christ, or maybe you walked away from Christ, we're going to have a homecoming party for you today because we've prayed for you. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? Listen real good. 18 through 24 of Luke 15. Listen to what he said. This, this guy right here. This guy right here. 
He said, I will arise and go to my father's house and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your sons. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Maybe some of you have done so many whacked up, jacked up things in here. You feel I'm no worthy. Man, if I go to heaven, if I go into the church, it's going to catch on fire. All those things. That's not what God has for you today. Listen to the father's heart for you. He says, Make me like one of your hired servants. He's like, hey, I'll just be a slave. I'll just be a servant at your house. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was still a great off, his father saw him, had compassion on him, and ran. If you know the culture, a daddy doesn't run in that culture. He runs to his son. The Bible says, and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And it was like the father didn't even hear him. It's like, son, that's nonsense. And it says, the father said to the servants, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, the family ring. Put sandals on his feet. Remember, he says, hey, I'll be a servant. You see, servants and slaves, they didn't wear sandals. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry, for this is my son who was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Homecoming party, baby. Homecoming party, baby. I want you to see what the son did. You know what the son did? The son didn't do nothing. <laughs> The daddy did it all. Get the robe, get the ring, get the sandals, get the veal parmesan. We're going to. I want you to see something very clear that the boy didn't do anything. The daddy did it all. The daddy did it all. The daddy did it all. Who is the daddy? The daddy is God the Father. Who is the son? You. You're the son. You're the daughter. And he's the father. The boy is back in town. Boy is back in town. Get the news all around. The boy is back in town. He's back in town. And they're throwing a party. We love to make Jesus and the Bible all kind of religious with halos and all. This is real people in a real situation meeting a real God, this God who wants to come into your heart and your life today and change you forever. My kid, he is back. The kid is back in town. He was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he is found. The comeback kid. Some of you are that boy today. Doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl. You're still that person. And God is here. God is here. How do you know, J.O.? Oh, I know. Oh, I know what I know. <laughs> 
I know what I know. Where two or more are gathers, he's here. But when we worship him, his manifested presence come. The manifested presence is right here today. And he's given you a choice. He's given you a decision. He's poured out his grace and mercy on your life today. And he says, oh, oh, would you answer my call today? You see, God made a way for you and I through his son, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you a little bit about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus walked on earth 33 and a half years. He never made a mistake. Never sinned. There is nothing or no one that's ever walked on earth and hasn't sinned other than Jesus Christ. We have all sinned. Everybody in this room, come on, say this with me. Same boat. You're in the same boat that I am. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus, he never, ever, never makes a mistake. He raises 12 uh, disciples. I call them the dirty dozen. You know what I'm saying? We like to put a little halo on them. The boys, those boys were outdoorsmen and fishermen and tax collectors. Come on, somebody. He never traveled more than 200 miles away from where he was born, but he impacted the whole world and he impacts the world today because of who he is. And he's here for you today. Jesus actually was born to die. Jesus, he never sinned. Why? Because he had you in mind. Jesus, now about to be crucified, having you in mind. You. Jesus was scourged and beaten and striped. He bled from his hands, his feet, back, head, mouth. He bled let me just read the scripture out of Matthew 22 so you can kind of picture what Jesus went through. Having you in mind. Oh, J.O., I'm just kind of a nice guy. You, you're not that nice. You really aren't. You're the, you might be the nicest person on earth, but you're still a sinner. How many sins does it take to go to hell? One. One. If you break any of the law, you're separated from God. This is what makes the good news so good. If I gave you a parachute on the airplane and I says, hold on to this thing, and you're like, why? It's uncomfortable, and you throw it away. But if I say, hey, when we get over Chicago, that jet's going to crash, you would be, whoo, holding on to the parachute. Jesus is your parachute because you're going to crash. We're all going to be faced with death. The Bible says, and they striped him. Stripped him, I'm sorry. They stripped him and uh, put a scarlet robe on him. And when they twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed and kneed before him and mocked him, saying, Hell, King Jesus. Little did they know that it really wasn't a mock. <laughs> then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him and, and they put his own clothes on him and they led him away to be crucified. Isaiah prophesied this hundreds of years before. Listen to what the, the prophet Isaiah says. Surely he is born our grief. See, you got to, my wife said something earlier in the very beginning. She says, you got to make it personal. See, this is very, very, very personal to everyone in here. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our inequities. 
And the chastisement of peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. One scripture later, listen to this. This is us. The Bible says, all we are like sheep gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the inequity of us all. Jesus did it all for you and I. Everything that he did, everything that we celebrate today, he did it for you. Now Jesus crucified with you and mine. Jesus cried out with a loud voice on the cross, yielded his spirit, And behold, the veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. This veil that separated us from the holy of holies is now shredded. Only God could do that. Why? So that you can come right past the holy of holies, right into his presence. Because he wants a relationship with you. And it says, and and the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were arise and come out of the graves after his resurrection. They went into the Holy Spirit and appeared to many. So when the centurion, listen to this, so the centurion, those who had crucified him and been there guarding and what have you, who had guarded himself, saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly and said, truly, truly, this was the son of God. Right then and there, they knew they had made this horrendous mistake. This is earthquake, darkness, ripping of everything. This is the Son of God. Jesus was stripped, tortured, crucified, like Craig was saying in communion, and he died for you and I. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Why do you think Christians worship on Sunday? Why do you think we worship on the first day of the week? Three days later, I I, I like to say it this way, Mary, Mary. (laughs) Mary, what do you mean, J.O.? There was two Marys. Mary, Mary, two different type Marys. They go to the tomb that morning, early morning. Angels are there. Guess what? Jesus is gone. Bible says, Matthew 28, five through six. But the angel answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Listen, listen, listen. He's not here for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. In closing, Jesus was born lived, died, and resurrected from the dead for you. He died for our sins and he died for our death. He defeated sin because of you and he defeated death because of you. He did all the heavy lifting. Do you know what he asked us to do? I think he asked us to do a few simple things Like the daddy did it all, Jesus did it all. You need this morning to enter into his homecoming. 
I believe you need to receive what he's done. I believe you need to believe what he's done. Listen, listen, listen. And confess what he's done. The Bible says in John 1.12, but as many as received him, oh, receive him today, receive him today. Free gift, gift of God. As many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Say that with me, receive. He gives you a free gift today. Will you receive it? Don't be this big old macho North Idaho man and go, I don't need him. Yes, you do. I don't care who you are, where you're from. You need Jesus. We also need to believe on him. Here's a beautiful scripture we've heard so many times. I don't use it often because they go, listen to me real good. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes, say that with me, believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Perpetual, eternal life that doesn't begin and it doesn't end. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He wants to save your life today. He wants to save your life. And then I said, you got to confess him. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord and believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Believe, receive, and confess. Why do I need to be saved, J.O.? Because you're sinking. You're sinking. You are drowning. How do you say that, J.O.? There's two men in Matthew 7, one who built this way and one who built this way the one who built on the rock they were good the one who built on the sand they were sinking how do i know how do i know you're sinking because if you're not building on the rock of jesus christ all other sand is sinking all other sand is sinking your life is sinking is sinking is sinking i know what i know because the bible is true and this is a fact and he wants to throw you a rope today jesus Pull you up, put your feet on the solid rock. Will you receive him today? Will you believe on him today? 